0: Many years ago, I remember going through the grocery store and thinking, oh my God, everything feels like it's poison, you know? And I just felt like a victim. I felt so just scared. I felt I had this feeling like I didn't have control of my life. And that's something that I don't want women to feel. I feel like in this modern world, we have so much thrown at us that we're overwhelmed. And the last thing you need is to also become a chemist so that you can protect your family from things. And so what little that I can do to alleviate that pressure is kind of the point for me.
1: Welcome, non-toxic mom. Today's episode is going to help you make healthy choices, live more intentionally, and overall enjoy this amazing ride called motherhood. Let's get started. Hello, hello, everybody. I have a special treat for you today. I'm here live with Leah Segety from Vation, and we are going to be talking about her study on PFAS in diapers. This is huge, everybody. I am so excited Leah has shared this information with us and that she has done this study because it really, really furthers non-toxic research for babies and for mamas like us. So, Leah, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah, you are so amazing. I really love the work that you do, so it's really exciting to have you on the Non-Toxic Mommy podcast. So, I am a huge fan of Bation. You truly do some amazing work there. Why don't you start by telling our listeners what you do at Bation? Tell us about the studies and the research that you do, because truly, it is one of the best resources out there for anyone trying to live a cleaner lifestyle. So let us know a little bit about the work that you do. Well, okay, so Momovation does
0: category non-toxic investigations on pretty much anything you can bring into your house, from diapers, for instance, coming up, to oils, to personal care products like period underwear and, you know, tampons and any types of food, we and cookware, all kinds of things. I have a scientific panel of Many scientists that I work with who kind of like focus me in on some places to look at and help me communicate the messages. We also do a lot of lab consumer studies. We send a lot of products off to the lab. So that's kind of what we're known for. But we also do investigations on materials. You know, things like cookware would be something like where we would send our staff to like email cookware companies and getting very specific information about coatings and those types of things for small kitchen appliances, cookware, et cetera, et cetera. Or we do investigations based on public information like, you know, ingredients, what's on the ingredient panel. And, you know, it's based on what's needed. So a lot of times, you know, we just need to know what's the best body oil out there or something like that. And the ingredients are all out there. So we send our staff out to find as many body oils as they can find. And then we analyze the ingredients. We put it in like an Excel spreadsheet and we kind of go through it. And then we kind of do a not our favorite category Better category and best category, and we make it three prong for a really important reason. It's that that understanding that you not everyone's the same, not everyone's in the same level. Some of us can afford things, some of us cannot. But it's good to be educated about the issues and then have options. And so it gives you that ability to go to our website, you know, read about you know any category of product, be be more informed. And then at the very bottom, you can see all of the products displayed for you very well organized so that you know what's not our favorite, which be what we would avoid, and then the better and best categories. And then you make your decision based on your family and what's going on in your life. No judgment whatsoever. So and then we also have a community that we're really supported behind the scenes on Facebook. I mean, I'm really heavily in there. And it's about our work, you know, and lots of women supporting each other. And that's where I get all my best ideas is you know these women are telling me what their needs are and we're
1: creating content based on their needs and what's not out there right now that's amazing i love how connected you are to your community i'm in your facebook group and i know you're in there every single day and i like i totally agree with you you get the best feedback from your audience they're your people and they're telling you what they need and what they want to know i just think that's so amazing but i don't even know if anyone realizes how intensive these studies are that you do and just how expensive some of these lab tests are like i think one of the first things i ever said to you when we connected was like i know how expensive lab testing is because i have a, a supplement company i run third party testing and it adds up i mean it's several hundred dollars per product typically and that's just with one lab we typically send our things out to multiple labs so like the fact that you're doing third party testing on consumer products from like cookware to diapers and all of this stuff. I just think that is amazing. But like that is also really expensive. And I think that the value of what you provide is absolutely tremendous. I think for me, it's important to serve our community.
0: So I'm not in social media for me. I'm in social media to be of service. And so people tell me what they need. And then I take it very seriously. And we evaluate things. And I sit there and I'm like, does this need to be tested? And how can I test that? And can I afford to test that? But I got to tell you, we spend more on testing than I bring home personally. And I'm actually pretty proud of that because, you know, I look around and there's nobody spending as much money as we are on testing consumer products. I don't know, maybe like EWG or something like that. But we're little and we're very like flexible. I mean, and I can turn at at a dime, you know, and a lot of those big companies that are doing it, they have to plan things out for years. And I'm kind of planning things out sometimes for months. But the way I look at it is, you know, many years ago, I remember going through the grocery store and thinking, oh my God, everything feels like it's poison, you know? And I just felt like a victim. I felt so just scared. I felt I had this feeling like I didn't have control of my life. And that's something that I don't want women to feel. I feel like in this modern world, we have so much thrown at us that we're overwhelmed. And the last thing you need is to also become a chemist so that you can protect your family from things. And so what little that I can do to alleviate that pressure is kind of the point for me. And creating content that nobody else has because I'm answering questions that women have brought me about their families that nobody else has answered for them. And I just stepped up and said, I'll do it. I'll do it. No one else is going to do it. So I'm going to start doing it. And we've been doing a lot of testing uh, since 2019, maybe 2018 is when we first started doing it. But we started doing it a lot in 2020. And most of what we've been testing is organic fluorine, which is an indicator for PFAS. And that's problematic. PFAS is really hard to test for because there's over 15,000 of these chemicals, 15,000. And so there is, it is impossible to test them all, literally impossible. And just to give you an idea, one of my advisors, Scott Belcher, he's at, he has, he's a professor, but he's also one of the people, one of the scientists that creates new tests to be able to identify PFAS. That's what he does. I call him the alligator wrangler. He's like the sweetest man in the world. You would never know that he wrangles alligators out of lakes, anesthetizes them, takes their blood and part of their flesh, and then puts them back in so that he can monitor PFAS for the federal government. You would never know that in a million years that this man does this because he's the sweetest guy, but he (laughs) does this.
1: OK, wait, so you're saying he does that. He actually does that because he's testing environmental levels of PFAS. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they
0: have to constantly
1: develop new tests. So I told you about those 15,000
0: chemicals. There is only assays, as in tests, for maybe about 100, maybe 100 out of 15,000. Now, in Scott's lab, he can identify about 150. So that's what I'm saying. He's creating these new testing methods that are then used by private labs down the road. But he has to, he finds them in these alligators. You know what I'm saying? You would never think in a million years, what are why alligators? Well, alligators are at the top of the food chain. It's all going to concentrate in them just like humans, just like polar bears. So they're great to to analyze because, and PFAS is in blood and it's in flesh. It's not in fat like, you know, other contaminants are. So you test the fat, it's not going to be there. It's going to be in the blood. It's going to be in the flesh. So it's a different type of chemical because it expels oil, it pushes it away. It's a waterproof type of chemical. And so you're not going to find it in a lot of oil. You're going to find it outside or pushed aside. And like you can kind of see that in testing, like when you do like beauty testing, because we do a lot of beauty testing. And if something like a mascara sits on the shelf for a long time, the PFAS will push away from the oil over time. And so one, one use, you'll get like one type of, you know, a certain amount and then you dig in there a little more and it's like double that because it's all different inside because it's pushing away so it's kind of it's an interesting phenomenon but you know it it shows you that with Scott's blessing we test for something called organic fluorine and the reason we do that test is all PFAS have fluorine in them all PFAS And then there's other things that we could find in organic fluorine, but they're nothing that any mother wants in a child. So it could be PFAS. It could be pharmaceutical drugs. It could be fluorinated plastic, which is also a type of PFAS. It could be a pesticide, which is also a type of PFAS. And it could be refrigerant chemicals, those kind of things. None of those things are anything that any of our community wants in their food, personal care products, diapers, et cetera, et cetera. So, we are good testing for organic fluorine and putting that up there. It's an indication that the chemical is in there. It's very likely to be PFAS. We can't say 100%, but it's 100% something you don't want in your food, personal care product, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, like I was saying about the labs, they're expensive. Uh, I think we've, I want to say, I don't want to like give a number and be wrong, but we probably spent so far this year between 60,000 and 70,000 on labs. So, it is quite a bit of money that that we're putting. So much. Wow. Like I said, I mean, it's important to me to be able to answer the questions of our community. I care about them. I can't solve all the problems at once, but I really take things seriously. And how do I make this money? Because a lot of, I know you're probably going to ask me, so I'll just answer that for people before they have that question. But it's really simple. The vast majority of the money comes from me. It comes from affiliate sales and it comes from ad revenue. And it's after the fact. So I've already done the investigation of set things up very, you know, very transparent in the post. And then there's links in the post. And if you buy from those links, that fuels all of our lab testing, our research, everything. And so that's how we get the vast majority of our money. And the second way we get our money is through donations through Environmental Health News. So Environmental Health News is one of our partners. They also bring with us, they bring for us a whole class of great scientists that we work with as well. And they donate to us. So we send people that want like tax, right? If they want a tax write off with a 501c3, they can donate there and then they send that to us. And so, you know, that's also how we make our money. But most of it, the vast majority of it, and I would like say 70 to 80% is us. It's us raising the money ourselves, And then the community, you know, I'm very clear with the community. I say, if you buy this, we're going to be able to afford more testing. And so You know, our community goes and they're like, I need oils. I'm going to Leah's site and I'm clicking on her links. And that's what they do. And because it's a win win for everybody. You know, I win. They win. We get the labs win. Everybody gets the testing. You know, everyone knows what's going on with the brands. And so it's just it's such a beautiful little thing that we've
1: set up. It just feeds itself. And, you know, I mean, I. I think it speaks to the power of your community and how interested they are in the work that you're doing and all of this research. So we talked a little bit about the PFAS testing. I want to just take a step back and let's actually, can you define or explain what PFAS are just high level? What is the main concern? And then of all the chemicals of concern out there, there's so many, right? Why do you choose to focus specifically on PFAS? Because I've noticed a trend that a lot of your testing is focusing on PFAS. Can you explain that? to the listeners so the reason we focus on PFAS is because it's persistent
0: now what that means is it doesn't go away so there's some things that you you know you eat or you consume or it comes into your body and within a couple of days to a couple of weeks it's out you've urinated it out you've defecated it out it's gone or the vast majority of it is gone but this specific chemical stays anywhere from months to 40 years Depending on which one of those 15,000 chemicals. And we don't even know how long each one of those chemicals last because we don't have information on 15,000 of them. We only really have information on like 100 or 150 of them. So that's one of the main reasons it's persistent. The second reason is I'm a boy mom <laughs> and PFAS is incredibly bad for boys. It's it goes into your body and it's just it's kind of similar to phthalates in the sense that it tricks your body into thinking it's androgen and testosterone, those types of hormones. And for little boys, that causes all kinds of problems having to do with reproduction, intelligence. The same thing will happen with girls, but to a lesser extent, because for some reason, girls' bodies are a little more like forgiving in that sense, I would say. And we have ways to detox that boys don't, you know, like every month we are menstruating and your blood will have the PFAS in it. So every month you're kind of detoxing and getting it out. But this isn't true for boys. You know, they don't have like these natural avenues of of being able to get rid of these chemicals. So PFAS is really bad in all the ways that hormones are bad. Hormone disrupting chemicals are bad. So I'm just going to list off a couple of things. So I told you about the persistence. It's a reduction in immunity, immunity, Whether you vaccinate or you don't vaccinate, it doesn't matter because your immune system needs to work regardless. And so one of the things that they know is PFAS specifically will bring down your ability to respond to a vaccine. And that's because it's bringing down the immune system. So that test was done, several of them have been done in babies. And they know that because of all these tests that have been done on babies and and, and studied babies. And that's how they were able to figure out the vaccination response. It also increases the risk of allergies, asthma, those types of things. It affects your growth and your learning and your behavior. So it can make a kid super hyperactive, not able to learn, not able to sit still. All of those hormonal things that help with the development of a child, that's all part of PFAS for boys and girls. It increases cholesterol levels for grown-ups. you know, fat, obesity. That's a big one. So for women, it's like it's making us fat. All of us. And the more PFOS you have in your body, which is a very specific kind that's really in a lot of fish, actually. So you have PFOS is highly linked to not only making you fat, but the people who struggle to lose weight and end up gaining it back plus more are more likely to have high levels of PFOS in their body. And this is one of those chemicals that stays in your body for a very long time. So it's built up over years. And so You know, these types of things just make my head explode because I feel like a lot of women would be thinking like, is it in me? Is that why I'm having trouble losing weight? It's a very big possibility if you get your blood checked and you find this. Yeah, cardiovascular disease. Now we get into pregnancy. Lowers a woman's chance of getting pregnant. More likely to have a miscarriage. It lowers male fertility. It causes endocrine disruption. And disrupts normal thyroid function so all of things that have to do with hormones that impact like pretty much everything in our lives here or there pfas is right in the center of that and it's not just in the center it's stuck it's like stuck in your body there is a couple of ways there is one way that we know that we can get rid of it and that's through blood donations now this is the scary thing and it's like who wants to do that like you know what i'm saying but how they figured this out is one of the professions that's One of the most polluted professions is firemen because PFAS is in houses and houses burn. And, you know, plus they have this, you know, protective equipment on that is full of PFAS to protect them from all kinds of things. Plus they have their firefighting foam, plus, plus, plus. So they're just they're just exposed like a plazoo. So the scientists looked at them and found that the only way to bring those levels down was blood donation and plasma being the, the most the best way. And so they sent all these firemen out for plasma donation and watched their levels go down. But that's it. That's all that they've been able to scientifically prove right now. There there are a lot of people online that say that you can detox in this way or that way, but I'm not so sure about all those other ways. But for sure, if you're a woman, hello, hallelujah, with your menstruation every month, right? Because we're just like, bye-bye, literally could be like, bye-bye, <laughs> like as it's leaving. And- Nobody's safe from this chemical. It's in like 98% of the population. And so it's not a question of do you have it. It's a question of how high your levels are. So that's kind of... Now, why are these chemicals in, in you know, why are they even here? They're the waterproof chemicals. They are the, you know, stain-free chemicals. They are the, the chemicals that have been just amazing because, you know, like Gore-Tex clothing is one of them. Stain Master Carpets was one of them. They, this is just uh, Teflon pans. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just been everywhere. And the other thing is we got rid of our Teflon cookware. Most of us did, you know, especially if you're listening to like, you and I, you'd be totally getting rid of that Teflon cookware. But the manufacturers didn't get rid of the Teflon coated drums that they have to produce the food and produce the personal care products and all that stuff. So that is why it's so important to test because even if they say we're pfas free usually when brands say that this is the vast majority of the time what they have done is they have operated a test that tests between 14 to maybe 60 specific pfas compounds they go down they go down really low to look however can you call yourself pfas free when there's 15,000 of these suckers out there you know what i'm saying like so that testing and when they say that and they claim pfas free Our audience needs to know, Okay, (laughs) what does that mean exactly? And usually it's just we've operated a test and tested 14 chemicals. And so we're making this claim. That's the vast, And so that's why it's so important to test all of these brands and all of these products, because I'm able to find things that, you know, you would never know or you would never guess.
1: Yeah, well, you're using a marker, right? It's basically a marker that tells you this is very likely to be there or this is going to there's some presence of PFAS. Right. So, okay. So my mind is pretty blown from everything that you just said. I didn't actually know that PFAS was linked to hyperactivity. I didn't know about donating blood. I usually pass out after I donate blood. So I'm going to find a way to make that work for me. But holy cow, I have a newfound appreciation for my menstrual cycle. So right. thank you. I didn't even connect the dots there. So thank you, nature. Thank you to <laughs> our bodies, the, the, the female body. Amazing. Okay, so let's talk. To- Thank you for explaining what PFAS are and why they're so problematic. Now, let's talk about diapers. Okay, <clears throat> so I know you just did this big study. You dropped this big study on diapers. I am curious. First of all, there are so many baby products out there, and babies are so sensitive and susceptible. I'm curious, why diapers? Why did you start there? Well, the first reason is because our community
0: asked me. So, there were several women in the community who were like, Leah, you haven't tested diapers yet. I'm really curious about diapers. I'm, you know, we're hearing all this green marketing and which one, which companies are real and which are not real. Some of them are making PFAS free claims. They just had questions and I didn't have the answers. And when I don't have the answers, I'm like, well, maybe we should test, you know? So, we started doing that. And so, I was testing disposable diapers, testing disposable diapers. And then, one of my, like a friend of mine, used to own a cloth diaper company. And I interviewed her. I'm like, well, why did you stop, you know, why did you stop selling or close your brand down? And she basically said to me something to the effect of that she was pushed out by the industry because she was demanding from the manufacturers for them to make better materials that were safer for babies. And they kind of got together and pushed her out. And then all of the stores stopped buying her products. And it was like, and she's like, you need to start testing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start testing. You know, I mean, and a lot of people put these kind of things in my ear, you know, just go check this, just go check out that. And I'm very appreciative of that. You know, I I don't take anything for face value. So when she said that, I was just like, hmm, we should start testing. So I started testing and some of the biggest brands we found some issues with. And so We actually found more problems in the cloth diapering industry than we did in the disposable diaper industry. And let me see if I can show you. So we've got broken down by category of how many things that we tested. We did test quite a bit. I want to say we got a total of 15 detections from 65 diapers and cloth diapers, but broken down by category, 17% of disposable diapers, but 30% of reusable cloth diapers.
1: So that's a little bit of a joke. That's crazy, though, because the mindset, even I've said this, is like, if you really truly want a non-toxic diapering experience for your baby, go with cloth. Now, cloth has changed over the years. It's gone from like cotton to blends and polyester and synthetics and stuff like that. So it's just absolutely mind-blowing to me that you found more indications of PFAS in cloth diapers than you did disposable. I know. And it's so not
0: intuitive. But honestly that's the way a lot of things are. You know, for instance, when I was doing, we did marinara sauces a couple of years ago and we looked at like 60 marinara sauces. The only brands that had issues was four organic brands. And that was it. Not on the conventional ones, it was four organic brands. And it makes me think that they might be using the same exact manufacturer behind the scenes who might have a drum coated with God knows what. And it's coming out because it's you know acidic and it's pulling stuff off of the drum and you know to me it made perfect sense but it wasn't an intuitive thing that I found and so of course I go to the organic trade association and I'm like hey I found something kind of problematic and they basically said not our problem it's the FDA's problem we just follow the rules of the FDA and the FDA allows P- PTFE which is Teflon chemicals in food personal care and all that stuff it's totally legal what what's happening And, you know, fluorinated plastics are legal. All of this stuff is legal. And so they were like, not our problem. And I'm like, oh, I think it's your problem. (laughs) People, organic eaters, are not going to like this. And, you know, and it's kind of a problem where you have smaller specialty manufacturers who have outdated equipment or older equipment. And then they'll specialize in something like organic or allergy friendly or what have you. And they've got this halo around them from what they're doing, but they're not fixing the equipment. They're not updating the equipment. And so we've seen things like that behind the scenes. And so a lot of this is just, it's marketing, you know, and it's like, and as a business owner, you focus on what you're good at. You don't tell people about what you're not good at. It's just, it kind of shows to us behind the scenes when we do the testing, you know, what's going on with manufacturing. And, you know, we've done all kinds of things or diapers, we've done toilet paper we've done yoga pants sports bras i mean i've done 23 of these investigations 23 this will be my 24th so i and i've seen like thousands of these tests and so from my perspective marketing is marketing and labs are labs and i will tell the story of the labs and that i think is far more important to women than the flashy things that they put in front of us to get us to buy and so, you know, it's just it's kind of like I'm that stopgate with marketing. You
1: know, that's nice. <laughs> but let me test your product. I, I also think it's a reflection of the way that manufacturing has changed, whether we're talking about diapers or tomato sauce. Huh. It really reflects the fact that outsor- the people are outsourcing manufacturing. And I'm not talking about overseas. I'm talking about back in the day a company would own their own plant. Yeah. And it would take millions and millions of dollars for someone to make consumer-based products. And that has shifted. Now it's a third-party, you know, outsourced kind of thing. And unless you own your own equipment and are doing it yourself or you have tremendous oversight, it's really difficult to be able to control everything down to the very last detail. And so the fact that you found, you know, problematic results in, in organic tomato sauce or pasta sauce, like... I don't think that the founders of these companies wanted to cut corners. They had good intentions, but it really comes down to like a product or a a step in the manufacturing process at the manufacturing plant or an ingredient that they source or something like that. And that's really where this gets to be very difficult. And now bringing this back to diapers, there are so many components to a diaper, whether you're talking about a cloth diaper, like an all-in-one or something, that you're talking about a disposable diaper. And so I think that's why some of these results are just kind of shocking. And, you know, some of the brands that we're seeing test high, you know, these lab results come back really, really high for PFAS. So I don't know, I mean, what is what does a customer do? Like, what does a consumer do knowing that like, yes, these brands are trying their best, they, they have good intentions, but like, you know, something I thought was clean isn't actually clean. How do you actually know that you're buying safe products? So the hard
0: part is you don't, unless you have some intense third-party certifications. But even then, there's nothing that makes a diaper PFAS-free, and that was actually one of the things that we found out, which was very difficult. OcoTech or EcoTech is one of those certifications that Momovation, in 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 a group of about twenty other NGOs, nonprofits that are like non-toxic nonprofits. We all got together behind the scenes and we sent letters to GOTS. We sent letters to OcoTech. We sent them to all the major certifications demanding that they start implementing PFAS in their certification. So OcoTech met us halfway. So they implemented PFAS testing, but the PFAS testing that they implemented wouldn't tell you the whole story. And so that was kind of evident in our testing because we found two brands with Oco Tech certification, that had indications of PFAS. And that's not what the consumer thinks is happening because one of these brands in particular was making PFAS-free claims based on the certification that they had. And so that was interesting. So, and so let me back up and tell you a little bit about what Ocotech has done. Okay. So remember how I told you there were 15,000 of these chemicals. There's what I do is called total organic fluorine testing. We have to test at a very high level. I'm not low in the parts per billions. I'm in the parts per millions, which is actually so high. You should not find things this high. So, But it's a line we have to draw because it's the only line we can draw to include all of those 15,000 chemicals in one test. So there's another type of testing called extractable organic fluorine, which is EOF instead of TOF. And that is the testing that Ocotech decided to put on their certification. Now, let me tell you why that's a problem, but I'll tell you first why that test is good. That test is great because you can look down to the parts per billion and go really far down, a lot farther than our test can go. But there's a big, glaring problem. Remember how I told you there's a lot of Teflon in manufacturing, and that's like one of most of the PFAS chemicals are actually Teflon chemicals, PTFE? This testing cannot extract any polymers which means it can't extract any of the Teflon, which means you won't know. You'll get a non-detect, and there could be a ton of PTFE in there, Teflon chemicals. The testing would never know. So the testing that OcoTech is relying on, it's not really telling you anything about the chemicals that are the most common in manufacturing. It's only telling you about the chemicals that we're hoping aren't there. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, they shouldn't be there. We didn't add them. But it's not telling you about the chemicals that are probably likely, more likely to be there. So they met us halfway, but they didn't really do what I think the consumer thinks they did. And so that was pretty evident in our testing with those two brands. One brand was a disposable diaper. One brand was a cloth diaper. And I I mean... It's evident. And so the problem is in like the state of California, California has passed laws that if these companies rely on this type of testing, they will be outside of that law, breaking the laws in California. Because in California, they're mandating specific levels, like no intentional PFAS. But even if there's stuff in there, it can't be over this level. And if you're not using the kind of testing that we're doing, you're going to miss the boat. And so this is very problematic for these brands. They need to fig- they need to start doing the type of testing that we're doing because that's what the laws of the state of California and New York and a lot of other states are basing it on, total organic fluorine, not extractable organic fluorine.
1: I mean, so let me ask you this. So obviously, this extractable organic fluorine test is not reliable, and it's not even catching what is most likely to be the common source of problem right so it's getting it's getting brands false confidence in their products so let's say some some brand tests poorly on any of your studies what can, like can they reach out to you like would you like can they be advised by you or like what should they do I mean I, I'm just asking like from a practical perspective, again, I don't think these people have bad intentions, but like, yeah. what should they do? How do they how do they do this? Do they go run their own lab tests? Do they not rely on on, on Echo Techs or however you say that? It's like, what do they do? What does a brand owner do? So it de- first of all, it depends on how they come at me. You know, <laughs> the
0: brands come at me and they're like, we want to play battle of the experts. I'm like, you know what I mean, like, it's not what I'm here for. Go Battle of the Experts somewhere else. You know, I don't have time. I don't have time to battle the experts. I don't have time for your your emotions. Like, I'm serving my community. If yeah. they come to me and they're sincere and they want to figure this out, we absolutely work with them. I work with them hours and hours and hours, and I don't charge them. This is completely free. And not only is it free, I have a database of all these products and brands that have reformulated, and I can tell these brands they found it here, they found it there, look here, look there, and I can give them all of that information. But I don't give it to people who just want to come in and whack me with a bat. You know, I just don't have time. I I mean, I did I did it a lot when when we first started testing. But what happened was it's so emotionally taxing for me. I just can't do my job and do that at the same time with people who don't appreciate my role. If people appreciate my role, I'm very willing to work with them. I send them to our lab. They get to use our lab, you know, and they can use, there's other labs you can use as well. But it's like, I want to know what's going on and I want to see, but I want to know to change, to change those numbers. I want to know what the contaminant was and how you fixed it. And then I want labs from the same place that I go to, you know, to kind of show me, now we're clean. You know, sometimes I pay for those labs myself. Sometimes I let the brands do them themselves. It just depends. It depends on how close the relationship is, how trustworthy they are. I have to make that gut check on my own. So it's not always the same. But we are absolutely open to helping these brands do a lot. And we've done this with like a ton of green beauty brands, toilet paper brands, clothing brands, you know, behind the scenes, and help them go from, oh, I don't know. Numbers to nothing, to non-detect. And there's always something that they find. You know, fluorinated plastics are a big problem with packaging. A lot of these brands have no idea that they're wrapping something in a plastic that's been fluorinated. And why that is so problematic is because the same plastics that we think are so safe, poly and poly, polyethylene, polypropylene, these same plastics sometimes are shored up with PFAS. So when it's a crazy. Gas- it's a gas on that's put on the surface of the plastic. And the reason they do it, and the manufacturers, the plastic manufacturers, are not always transparent about this. So there's a lot of brands who've gotten caught up in this fluorinated plastic issue. And it wasn't on the data sheets. It wasn't anywhere. And they tested the plastics. And boom, there it is. And they just remove it. And things were fine after that. So it's like sometimes it's as simple as packaging. Other times it's things like drums or lubricants that are used in the factory or just sprays and things like that. I mean, there are so many things that it could be, but most of it are these PTFE fluorinated uh, Teflon type chemicals. That's the vast majority of what we find all the time. Now, there are companies that I've worked with where they've showed me, oh my God, and look, we did other testing down to this level that we don't test and we found something in organic blueberries or we found something here, found something there. And so they've, they've had to implement... Reverse osmosis water filtering, you know, and stuff like that. So we've we have seen a lot of interesting things at that level, but that's really small compared to the testing that we're doing. The vast majority of it is it's Teflon, it's PTFE. The vast majority of it that we've seen and we've heard from these brands, it's PTFE. So we got a big PTFE problem, and you got to yeah. test for it. You don't know if you have it, you know, and it, it, you really can't test lower to find it you know what i'm saying so you have to kind of rely on these surface tests that it doesn't identify exactly what chemical is and you don't know where it's coming from so it's really like when these brands figure this out and they they're just like oh my god you know it's not an easy process to fix this is monumental manufacturing chaos and again it goes back to the global supply chain it goes back to these drop shipping type manufacturers. They don't have their own manufacturing. They don't have their own. They're not walking through, walking the floors. And they don't know a lot of the answers, you know, they, and they, they don't know to ask these questions. That's the other thing. So a lot of mm-hmm. these small business owners have not been in this industry for decades, like, say, other people at bigger companies are, to have the Q&A, to have the attorneys, to have the people, you know, the quality control, quality insurance, to be able to know what questions to ask. lot of times they just don't know what they don't know and so that's also some of the problems that we find on our end is like very well-intentioned people can get caught up in this in a really bad way and that's just kind of how this has been happening and I wish it wasn't so I wish it was all the bad actors you know what I'm saying or we could just like be like oh yeah you know Unilever oh yeah Nestle you know what
1: I mean but it's not that (laughs) Nestle. So okay so it's definitely a challenging landscape i think for the listeners of the show i I do want to share that like there is really good news in this study too right you you tested several brands that were non-detect for fluorine yeah right so 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 that
0: majority was non-detect for fluorine it was so okay so of everything that we tested 23 percent of it came up with the detection so that means a lot more was fine and so that is the good news so it is this is not as bad as sports bras. Sports bras was something we found 65% of the industry. It was like, oh my God. But this is 23. So this is doable. You can make a very simple change here and not have to worry about this. So that is really good news. And I feel like the other part of this is the Ocotech conversation, you know, where this specific certification is not going to protect you from PFAS. However, it will ensure that you know, the contaminants are under levels that they're testing at or, you know what I'm saying? So this isn't, Okotech isn't really so much telling you that toxic stuff wasn't used. It, they're saying that when we tested the final product, it wasn't there at the level we were testing. Now, I don't know the specifics at all the levels of all the different things that they're testing. No, I don't. It's probably something that we'll have to do an investigation on later if they don't make changes so that I can be more... You know, tell people about this, but it's not a perfect certification. It's a good certification. You know, it's better than nothing because nothing is kind of you know. But the better testing, I would say, like EWG has a new certification, and they're going above and beyond. So that was is one of them. I'm hoping right now they just have one diaper that they certified. I'm hoping that a lot more of these brands. Go look at the EWG certification because I feel like that that specific one is going to help you a lot more with all kinds of things that were some things we're not even talking about in here. So they've gone above and beyond. So I would start looking for these third party certifications. And I know that if these brands started getting this EWG certification, you know, or more of them, I, I say go for it, go for it, please, please. That's how you know. That's how we can have more surety. That's how we can feel safer purchasing products is having a third party come in and evaluate all the labs or do the labs themselves
1: or something like that. So that's what what that's what's gotta happen here. Yeah, I think the EWG verification is really interesting. I don't I think it's really, if I understand it correctly, what they do is they examine your manufacturing process. They're also checking for certain ingredients, making sure that certain ingredients aren't included. Yeah. That said, there are some products that I don't think would meet my standards or your standards that are EWG verified. So it's not like a perfect process. But yeah. if you kind of combine that certification with like your research and like the kinds of recommendations that we make, I think that you're in a good place. But there's still a little bit of work to be done there, right? EWG isn't perfect, but they yeah. they created an, like their new
0: certification for diapers and, man- and mattresses is pretty good in comparison to other places. But again, they're not doing PFAS testing on their own. They're not sending things off to the lab. It's still, you still like, there would be a reason to come to my site to check this out, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, just because, you know, things can happen. And and the funny thing is a lot of times if things are going to happen, I'm going to grab it. And I got to tell you this little story, okay? I don't know if I've told you this story about before about me, about when I was a kid. Oh my God, it's going to blow your mind. And people that have nine-year-old girls, going to blow your mind. So I used to live, okay, so total sidebar. I used to live across the street from a graveyard. It's in Glendale. It's called the Grand View Graveyard. And when I was nine years old, I would ride my bike in there and they have this huge mausoleum and and the mausoleum has a basement. And this is like 150 year old graveyard. This is like not even, I mean, this is old graveyard, even old for California. This is crazy. So In this, I saw that it was open. So I went down into the dark basement because me, I'm not scared of a lot of things. I don't know. I'm just stupid, I guess you could say. But I went down the creepy stairs and there was all these offices in the bottom of the basement. And I walked in, turned on the lights and I saw these boxes. They were about this big and they were to the ceiling. And there was like three, four hundred boxes in this office. It looked as if they were using the office. And then they started stacking these boxes up. Well, I was like, what the heck was that? And I went and opened up one of the boxes. Oh, yes, I did, even at nine. I'm so curious. I could, like a cat, I'm going to get myself killed. I'm going to open up the boxes, and I see this grayish-pinkish powder, which, if you know anything about cremation, I had found 450 boxes of cremated remains. I knew what I'd found. I knew that they were dead bodies. I ran home to my mom. and am like, Mom. I found all these dead bodies in the graveyard. My mom's all like, wait, what? (laughs) She's just like, totally. So I'm telling you, I have a knack for finding things that are not supposed to be there. I kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. And the years go by, the boxes get more, the boxes get more. I keep telling my mom. She does nothing about it. And then decades later, no, was it a decade? I don't know. 15 years later, I get a phone call from my mom and she's like, do you remember how you used to tell me that there were dead bodies in the, the, You were right, the state raided the graveyard and they had pocketed money. So like people die in the county and they have no person to bury them. Like they're homeless or they're just alone. So what happens to those people? The county takes the bodies, they cremate them, and then they pay graveyards to bury them. Well, they were pocketing the money and not burying all those bodies. And guess who found it? Me, and I was nine. So this is giving you an idea. I can find things that are not supposed to be there. I've been doing this since I was a little girl. Nobody likes it when I do it. But I finally found a purpose. Finally found a purpose that everybody
1: can appreciate. And that's just me, right? That's that's all that is That is so you. And I was smiling and laughing during that story because I ha- you have told me this story before. And now you have boldly gone where no one else has gone before on this podcast with that story. But I do I do think it's a testament to your personality and like your investigative nature. So thank you for putting that skill to good use and serving all of us. Where can people find out more about this diaper study? So it'll be
0: on momavation.com. That's dot ncom And you could just click on blog right there and it'll be one of them. Or you can go into the search bar and type
1: in diapers and boom, it'll come right up. So that's where okay. it will be. Okay, and then before I let you go, can you tell me, for the listeners, if you could advise them, like, what is one change they should make? Like, overnight, if they could do something to improve their family's health and their overall well-being, what's that one thing that you would advise?
0: So you remember how I was talking about all this chemicals and processing that that are not on the ingredient panel? Yes. So the truth of the matter is the more you process your food in your kitchen, i.e. cooking from scratch, the safer your family is. So think back So avoiding when they say processed food, literally it's processed in a manufacturing plant. The more you can process your own food, like making your own spaghetti sauce from scratch. For instance, we tested tomato sauces. We found nothing. We tested marinara. We found something. So it's happening somewhere in the processing. And so I would say just doing that and starting cooking from scratch, that alone will start to make your
1: family safer overnight. Okay. And that's the whole, that's the whole thing. I was just talking about this recently on Instagram. It's like, anytime there's something that co- that is too convenient, there's always a cost to it, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to go out and make my own pasta sauce. It takes, I've done it before. It takes me three, four hours, you know, and I would love to be like that, like, you know, little grandma in the kitchen, but that's not my lifestyle right now. So that, that's challenging, you know, but I think that's really yes. good advice. And I think the way to respond to that is like, whenever possible, whenever that's possible. what you do, you know, make your pasta sauce or, you know... I don't know some other examples like
0: I know people as many are like things as you can. Yeah. Just as many things as you can cut out. It's like you can cut up your own lettuce. You can you know, there's all these like just lettuce alone by the head and do it yourself because that right there you you know, bacteria and salmonella and all those things happen most likely to those package, you know, lettuces or spinach. So it's in everything that we're talking about, you know, everything. And so it's just buy the carrots. You know what I'm saying? Like, chop them up yourself. I mean, that's just an example of just making your family safer. Just avoid the things that have been prepackaged and put in little things for you as much as you can. I mean, as much as you can, because at the end of the day, we don't want to cause, like, stress, undue stress on you as well, because that's kind of more toxic than the toxic stuff overall. So... There is a give and take here where, you know, you do something like you cook from scratch. But like if you're going crazy one day, you know, order a pizza, but make sure to go to my fast food investigation first to see which ones have the best packaging. (laughs) So there you go. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to service all of this. You know, we we did fast food and the packaging and we tested for PFAS. So you can actually go to my site and say, this is why I don't go to McDonald's. And this is why I avoid Chick-fil-A of all things. But... How is Wendy's safer and Del Taco is safer than Chick-fil-A? You know what I mean? Like, and Panera, like Panera has stuff, but like Subway didn't. But it gives you reality. There's reality and then there's marketing. And so we try to give you the reality. So, and again, you know, it's, we're not perfect. We can't be perfect and, and we're in a modern world. So it's, we're, we're strapped for time every second of the day. Uh-huh. And you can't get any chance, you know, to give any, get you time. There's no time for you. So, We have to balance that. So it is a balance. But again, it goes back to you serving your family where you're at right now. All you have to do is look at your options. Better sometimes is the best place to be. You know what I mean? You don't always have to be best because that's really expensive a lot of times or it's hard to find or it's like, you know, something like that. You don't always have to be best. And this is a judge free zone because I don't know what your life is like, you know, and I got to say my life has gotten really complicated, too, because I moved my mom in with us because she's very she's very frail. And so I care for her. But all of a sudden we've got food in my house that I never had before. And so my lifestyle has changed just based on bringing someone else in here. And that's just, you know, that's new things for my lifestyle. So I have to make decisions based on, you know, the reality of the situation and everybody's different. So, I mean, there's
1: no judgment. It's just you trying to do the best you
0: can, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah, that's
1: all we can do. And I think, you know, there's a certain level of like being reasonable. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you're going to shop for the better list. Sometimes you're going to shop for the best list. Sometimes you're going to buy the pasta sauce and sometimes you might make your own pasta sauce. You know, it's just really about balance and understanding that. Like, give yourself grace. We all live in a modern world. We are all taxed in different ways than than generations before us. And we can only do what we can do. Actually, can you tell the listeners about your book? Because your book was really helpful to me. And I love it. I think we have the same kind of mindset. And I would love... There you go. I got it right here. So Green Enough is basically how to detox your
0: entire home from, you know, from personal care to cleaning products and food and all that stuff. And there's a lot of swearing in here. So you got to have sense of humor <laughs> because so even though it says Rodell, I was actually the first Penguin published Rodell author. So I had everything edited by Rodell and then Penguin came in and took out 40 F words from my thing. But I still got like 40 in here. So, But it's a lighthearted book that just says you're green enough but here are your options. This is what you can do. And here's the marketing and here's the reality. And in this book, it's not just me writing it. It's also Tanya Altman, who is one of the spokespeople for the American Academy of Pediatrics. So we have a pediatrics spokesperson, also, and Pete Myers, who is the, my main scientist who coined the phrase endocrine disrupting chemicals. He's that dude who's been working and doing this forever. So really well informed, written to be funny, and I hope people enjoy it. But yes, I mean, I feel like I forget
1: about my book all the time, but here it is. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's an amazing read and it's really great if you're just getting started with non-toxic living and you're like, what am I doing? What is all of this stuff? Where do I start? And, you know, tell me the truth. Like, tell, be honest with me. Like, do I need to overhaul my whole life or can I just start with the important stuff? I love that about your book. I love your style. I love your approach. I really appreciate everything that you do for women and consumers in general. And I think this diaper study is huge huge and so thank you so much for the work that you do and for just sharing this with people and making it accessible to people making it free bless you, you are such a blessing so thank you so much Leah, it has been so fun talking to you, it always is and I, I can't wait to see what you test next Oh, I can give you a
0: preview real quick yeah. condoms, condoms oh. are coming bandages tea, chapstick shampoos I can't remember. There's more, but I can't remember all kinds of stuff. In the, I mean, and like, I don't know if you can see it, but I've got some things right there waiting to be tested. Those were a bunch of oils that we're sending out for phthalate testing. So, in addition to PFAS, we're going, we're dipping into phthalates so just to answer questions that weren't answered in a in a prior investigation done by another NGO. So it's like, oh, I need to test all the avocado oils. Oh, I got to test more olive oils. You know, so yeah, I've got. Yeah, I will never be done. I will never have like. Yes, brother. there's so much work for me to do. I'm very blessed that I can be of service to so many people.
1: You are. And I, I just remember asking you the other day, like, do you ever see yourself not doing this? And your answer was, heck no.
0: Yeah. So I can imagine myself doing this till I die, honestly. I mean, I keep, I've been offered, the site has been offered to be purchased quite a bit. And I'm like, no.
1: <laughs> well, it's... <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned the oils, because when we first got on here, I thought they were like alcohol bottles behind you. And then I looked more closely and I was like, "Nope, that's olive oil, right? Mm -hmm. That's olive oil. (laughs) (laughs) And there's some tallow or not
0: tallow. It's lard, beef tallow, olive oil and avocado oils. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. And you you don't see the mess down here. That is all the things that are like organized that I've got to send to the lab. Oh, my gosh. My poor husband. Pray for my husband because I'm a bit much.
1: (laughs) I think you have to be. You have to be to do this. It's just a totally different lifestyle. Anyway, Leah, thank you so, so much. And let's talk again when you have another study. Thank you, my dear. If you know another mom who can benefit from today's episode, please help me share this episode with her. And if you want to keep up with more credible tips, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the good information. To become part of our community, go to gentlenursery.com slash podcast for more information. I will see you on the next episode, Mama. You are amazing.